Good morning. It is good to see you this morning. It's good to be here. Once again, I count it an honor to be here where I spent 10 years of my life. And uh, I, I'm, I'm knowing that your last 10 years have been much better. You've got a, a young, handsome-looking pastor down here on the front row. And, and I know God's done a great work in your church. And no one is more thankful for that, I don't believe, than I am. And so I count it an honor to be here with you today and to be asked to come back again. I want to talk to you today about the greatest goat. Now that might sound like a strange title for a message. How many of you young folks know what a goat is? Well, some of you do. Uh, one lady just whispered, I married him. <laughs> no, uh, a goat is the greatest of all time. And I want to talk to you today about the greatest goat. You know, a lot of folks are familiar with the acronym, I'm sure, but uh, what it stands for and, uh, and all that, uh, it, it doesn't even come close to me to uh, who should really have that title. I've, I've heard differences of opinion about who's the greatest basketball player of all time. Uh, some people would say that would be Michael Jordan. Other people would say, who's that other dude that's running up and down shooting baskets all the time? Uh, what? Yeah, I never can get his name right. I did. His nose is usually so high in the air, he couldn't hear me anyway. But anyway, uh, there, there's all this question about who it is. You know, who's the greatest goat? Well, I want to suggest to you that it's not a basketball player. And it's not a football player, and it's not any other sports figure or, or anything in any area of life you can imagine. The greatest of all time ever will be, ever can be, is Jesus. And he is that because of heaven's declaration that he is that. And because his actions here on earth certainly showed what no carbon life form solely could ever do. First of all, I want you to know he carried the heaviest load that could ever be carried. There's never been a better burden bearer than the one you sung about just a moment ago. He is the greatest. He has commanded the greatest army that was ever assembled. You never find a greater general anywhere in history, any time, any place than Jesus Christ. He commanded the greatest army, but he also withstood the greatest torture that was ever endured. Now, that may not mean much to you right now. I'm hoping that before we're done today, it will. And I want you to listen very closely now because he also exemplified the greatest fulfillment of potential that ever existed on this planet or anywhere else in the universe. He is the greatest of all time. Now, all I've said about him thus far, without question, is true. But I think we can add a little bit more to his accolades. Through him, the world was created. Amen? You agree with that? If you don't, you're all messed up. Through him, the world has consisted. It's still here because he holds it all together. Amen? They hid the bell on me. I can't use that anymore. Some of you are new. 
I preach for an indefinite number, an undetermined number of amens. You don't know when it's happening. I will. So that might help you to participate in the message today. Through him, all sins have been covered. There, you're getting it. Through him, Satan has been conquered. We're talking about the greatest of all time. And our text today is going to sound very strange to you because in, re- in light of what I've already said to you, you're going to think, well, why would you go to an Old Testament passage to talk about Jesus, the greatest of all time? Well, some of you, one just smiled down here in the front row. He knows exactly where I'm going. Leviticus chapter 16, verse 1. Can you find that in your Bibles? If you can, you can turn there. If not, you can look up on the screen, and that, that handsome pilot up there has already put it on the screen for you. I think it was him that did it. I'm not sure. Anyway, would you stand with me one more time? You won't have to stand until the invitation after this. Leviticus chapter 16, verse 1 says this. And the Lord spoke unto Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron when they offered before the Lord and died. And the Lord said to Moses, Speak unto Aaron your brother, that he come not at all times into the holy place within the veil before the mercy seat, which is upon the ark, that he die not. For I will not appear in the cloud upon the mercy seat. Thus shall Aaron come to the holy place with a young bullock for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. He shall put on the holy linen coat and he shall have the linen breeches upon his flesh and shall be girded with a linen girdle and with the linen mitre shall he be attired. These are holy garments. Therefore shall he wash his flesh in water and so put them on. And he shall take of the congregation of the children of Israel two kids of the goats for a sin offering and one ram for a burnt offering. And Aaron shall offer his bullock of the sin offering which is for himself and make an atonement for himself and for his house. And he shall take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And Aaron shall cast lots upon the two goats, one lot for the Lord, the other for the scapegoat. And Aaron shall bring the goat upon which the Lord's lot fell and offer him for a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to make an atonement with him and to let him go for a scapegoat into the wilderness. Pray with me, please. Father, if my heart is true before you, and Lord, know that I desire that it is, I ask you, Father, to take the words hidden away in the law and show us Jesus today. Show us what a great, great example he is to be a child of the Father in heaven. I ask you, Lord, 
to touch the message, to touch hearts with the message. Not because there's anything good in me. There's nothing good in me. There's not anything, Lord, that would make me adequate or competent to do this. The only thing that I have to stand on is you are the greatest. And because you are, you can take this lump of no good flesh and speak today the words you want them to hear. Save those who are not saved here today, Lord, please. Change hearts and minds. Repair things that have been torn down. And help them to see that because of you and who you are, we can be assured that all things are possible through you. Please, Lord, now show that possibility in the rest of the message. I beg you in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all be seated. I want to talk to you just for a moment before I preach about how these two goats are so important to prove my declaration of the greatest of all times. Two goats were chosen. One for the sin offering to God. The other for the sins of the people. One would die for a blood sacrifice. And the other were carry, going to carry the sins of the people to a place that no one else could go. Out into the wilderness. The book of Psalms, chapter 10, uh, 103, I'm sorry, verse 12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Wow. The goats were chosen by lots. Does that sound familiar to you? It should. Let's go a little further. The scapegoat carried all the sins of the people into the wilderness. Why did I emphasize all? Well, I think it's pretty evident. If you look again into the text here and look at, at uh, chapter 16, verse 21 uh, and 2, for instance, it says, And Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat and confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions and all their sins, putting them upon the head of the goat and shall send him away by the hand of a fit man into the wilderness. Now I've already seen all three times. But look in verse 22, and the goat shall bear upon him all their iniquities. Not some of them, not those who are present, not those that are past, but all of our iniquities are going to be carried away and into the wilderness. Now, before being taken into the wilderness, the one that was charged with making sure he was taken far away did something that you, you don't see this in, in modern commentaries. As a matter of fact, you have to look at, at folks who spent their life writing those, those books for us, telling us what things meant. And when I found this, I, I just wanted to holler and shout. That man was charged before he took that goat and led it out into the wilderness with tying a scarlet cloth around the right horn on that goat that was being carried away. You know, there is a scarlet thread of redemption all the way through the Word of God. You can find it all throughout, interspersed. In the Old Testament, the New Testament, it's always been about the blood and that piece of scarlet on that horn meant exactly what I'm inferring. 
that that blood sacrifice had just been let and all of that blood had covered all of their sins. And now I want to go on and read for you Matthew 27, 24, where it says, And Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but that rather a tumult was made. And he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. And then answered all the people and said, His blood is on us and on our children. Now Matthew 26, 62 also has something that's important here. This, this is going to tell us a little bit about what, what God endured or what Jesus endured. But before we do that, let me share with you the account of these two goats just a little bit further. It meant more than just the sacrifice at the temple on the Day of Atonement. I see Jesus in this. Do you see Jesus in this? The greatest of all time was the one who carried away our sins. How many of you know sitting there right now, regardless of what you've been taught or told, you, my friend, are a sinner, still in your heart to this day. If you are, are really human, that, that nature, that sin nature still rests within you. And because of that, I'm here to tell you that we need a Savior, one that every day of all of our lives, He is there redeeming us, bringing us to His side, begging our pardon before God in heaven. That's what He does. That's why He's the greatest of all time. He didn't come and do one little act and then leave. He's still doing it. He is the great one. And I want you to see, you remember how I started with the things that he he done better than anybody? Let, let, me, let me talk for a moment about the heavy load that he carried. What the people must have thought has crossed my mind. While that goat was being led past them out of the gate and out of the city, they came there to watch this, and they saw it once every year, where the scapegoat was let loose. To go Where? into the wilderness where no one else would go. That's why they took that goat out there. Took him to a place where he could not be found. Because he represented something. He represented the sins. All the iniquities of all the people were being carried away by that one. Now friend, every step that goat took past those people was to them their sins being removed farther and further away. I want you to imagine whether you're standing there watching the Lord carry away your sins and he's walking before you. The greatest goat of all times is walking before you. And he has got not just those iniquities that are mentioned here, but all the sins of everyone who ever sinned, even one sin, and all the multiplicity of sins for all time was on that saving sacrifice, Jesus Christ. And he's walking by you. He's carrying your sins away. I wonder today, is there anybody in this room besides this old tired preacher who is really, really glad that Jesus was the greatest of all time and took your sins and carried them right past everybody and said, I'm putting them where nobody can ever find them. Aren't you glad for that today? 
If you're glad for that today, then you ought to rejoice because he's still carrying today, friend. He's still doing the same thing over and over and over. He even likes this old bum right here and died for him and his sins and you and you and you. I want you to know if you can't get happy about that, your happier is broke. Amen? That's an awesome thought. He just doesn't stop. Your sins are being carried away. I can see those people right now as that old goat came by them and start watching that thing disappear. Knowing no one's ever going to see it again on this side. That old goat's going to the wilderness, but it's going for a reason. It's got those lies you told on its back. It's got those thoughts that you should never have thought on its back. The words you spoke in anger or disgust is on its back. Jesus, the greatest of all time, Jake, is carrying your sins away. Can you see him this morning, church, coming past you? Sure, you're sitting here in church. It's a wonderful sight to see you all here, but listen to me now. It's about more than you assembling and sitting in those seats. It's about Jesus, the greatest of all time, has carried all your sins away. I know about lying. I was one. And you know what? If you ever was one, you still is one. Amen. Listen to me now. I know about bad thoughts. I've had bad thoughts. How about y'all? I know what it's like to be angry without a cause. I've done it. Haven't you? Have you ever hurt somebody that you really loved because of your tongue? All that was written down in the books. Yet Jesus, the greatest of all time, so put them on me. I can carry those. I'll take them where nobody can ever find them again. I'll take them so far as the east is from the west. Friend, that's a long way. You never get there. Amen? Listen. He was bearing what should have been your burden. Every once in a while I find myself saying, this is not fair, God. Why have I been forgiven for so much when I was such a rotten rascal to start with? How, why, why is that? Been a lot of good people died without ever hearing about Jesus. Good, good as in the world standards. But here I was, the chief of sinners, and yet God has chosen to carry my sins away. I don't have any question when I hear about the goat, who it is. <laughs> We're not, I'm not talking about guys who can jump high now. I'm telling you about somebody who jumped out of heaven and came the first time. Amen? And I'm talking about somebody who jumped into heaven just as soon as, it, as he was finished with what he was doing on the cross and resurrecting from the dead. And I'm talking about somebody who's about to come back down one of these days and bring the angels with him. Aren't you glad that he's coming for you one of these days? Man, if you ain't glad, you ain't, you ain't right. Amen? Might not be good English, but I promise you it's good preaching, huh? The weight of just one man's sins would surely have crushed him. This old cross here, it's an old cross. I've seen that before. I want you to think with me for just a moment. 
that on a cross in similar size. The Bible says that every sin you ever sinned was nailed to that cross. And you might say, how would that be possible? How would it be possible? You couldn't put that much paper up there. Oh, but you could put it all on one person, Jesus Christ, and nail him to the cross, and thereby every sin of every person who ever lived is nailed to the cross with him. Friend, I got news for you. He is the greatest of all time. I'm, I want you to look with me for just a moment at the intense torture he endured for you. You know, when Jesus passed by them, he looked like a dead man walking. Do, do you realize what had happened to him? When Simon was compelled to carry his cross, it wasn't because it was too heavy for Jesus. It was because he had been beaten half to death before he began the trip to Golgotha. If I can now read for you from Matthew 26, 62. Listen carefully. And the high priest arose and said unto him, Answer thou nothing? What is it which these witness against you? But Jesus held his peace, and the, and the high priest answered and said unto him, I adjure you by the living God that you tell us whether you are the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus said unto him, You have said, Nevertheless, I say unto you, Hereafter you will see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. And then the high priest rent his clothes, saying, He has spoken blasphemy. What further need do we have of witnesses? Behold, now you have heard his blasphemy. What do you think? And they answered and said, He is guilty of death. And then they spit in his face and buffeted him. And others smote him with the palms of their hands, saying, Prophesy unto us, you Christ. Who is he that smote you? You know, if you just read those words, just a surface reading, they say a lot. But they can say nothing to the degree that can be done by just getting you to understand one or two little words here. You know, when they took him, they took him for the night, for the entire night. They were getting ready to, to, to crucify him. There's no doubt what they were going to do. But the reason they kept him all night was they, the Bible says they buffeted him. The Greek word there is eklophasion. And I, you know what it means? It means to double up your fist and to use it just like a boxer and hit over and over and over. Now, if you read those words carefully, all night long, they buffeted him. Jake, can you imagine what it would be like to have folks who are, who are hating you for the moment line up before you and take turns hitting you in the face as hard as they can hit you? All night long. They beat him like that. All we read about the crown of thorns that they jammed down on his head, and certainly they did that. And I can tell you they make you bleed. I tried to make one of those crowns one time for a cross similar to that, and I just got my finger stuck one time, and you'd have thought I was dying. Can you imagine having that thing rammed down over the top of your head? Can you imagine 
after being buffeted all night, being taken and whipped to a point of almost being dead before he ever finished. 39 times likely they hit him. They didn't hit him with just a rope or a piece of leather, although leather was involved. They hit him with something that had little pieces of glass, little bits of metal, rocks embedded in the leather. The Roman soldier that did that was designed to do it. That was his job. He was a punisher. That was another term they used for him, the punisher. Most of them, because they were used to drawing back something that weighed about 10 pounds and making it do that, big forearms, strong men. 39 times he drew that thing back and hit our Lord where that would dig around him. And then once it was embedded good, he would yank that thing back and flesh would tear, blood would pour over and over and over. And he endured that for you. For you. You say, well, I wasn't there. Oh, yes, you were. <laughs> the omniscient God knows you were there. He saw you there. And all those sins he was putting on Jesus, they were, some of them were yours. You remember your first sin? I remember my first sin. I burned down the outhouse. Hey, I, it's funny, right? It's a, it's a real good testimony that five-year-olds should not be allowed to have matches and cigarettes. And to my parents' favor, they didn't know I had them. I took them from my father's stash. Two-holer. You all know what I mean? Never have figured that out. Did not make sense to me. But I know this, if you've got a big old country match in your hand and you've just lit a Marvel cigarette, how many of you know what a Marvel cigarette was? Not very many, no. <laughs> me and Louie, no, don't we, Louie? Yeah. You just lit that thing and smoke and you're just coming out and you're thinking, is mom going to see that smoke through that door? And you realize your match is still lit and you just give it a pitch. It's not long until the outhouse is gone. Along with the coal shed that's attached to it. Along with my mama's clothesline holding all the clothes that ran from the outhouse to the back door. Along with the fire truck that came and got stuck in the yard right next to the house along with the wrecker who tried to come down the alley and got, uh, had a real hard time getting the fire truck out, and along with parents who sat me down on the couch and said, John, did you do that? And I looked him straight in the eye. My father was huge, made me look like a toy. He looked right at me. Did you do that, son? And I answered, No. And, and in a way trying to infer what are you talking about did the outhouse burn you know sin 
Five years old. You know how I knew it? Like you said a while ago, conviction set in immediately. I lied. How many of you can remember your first sin? I can really remember mine. I wouldn't have if they hadn't told that story to every family reunion for 40 years. Amen? My parents weren't dead. They'd still be telling the same story. So I remember it well. But I said all that to say this. Jesus died for that little boy's sin. And everyone he ever committed following that. And yours as well. You think he's not the greatest? I don't know who you put your trust in in this day and time, but friend, I got news for you. They may have released Barabbas and sent him to the cross, but it was not an accident. That was the only way your sins were going to be forgiven. I want to talk to you for a brief moment about the great army that he refused to use. Listen to what the word says in Matthew 26, 51. And behold, one of them which were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck a servant of the high priest and smote off his ear. And then said Jesus unto him, Put up again your sword into his place, for all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. Think thou that I cannot now pray to my father. Now watch this. And he shall presently, that means immediately, give me more than 12 legions of angels. But then how would the scriptures be fulfilled? That thus it must be. I want you to look at what he just said closely. A Roman legion was comprised at that time of 6,000 men. But he never said, I can give you 72,000 angels. He said, more than. I believe our Lord knew that the strength of the Romans at that time was 150,000 soldiers. And he was wanting them to know that all he had to do was speak it and it would be there. Angels would be there to take him down and cause them to have to pay a great price. Friend, I want you to know those soldiers that were there on that day were there because they were conscripted. They were made to join. They saw their positions as though it was their job. The angels, they were servants of the Most High God. That's a different deal altogether there, amen? And the angels had no physical limitations. They couldn't be harmed by humans, but humans could be harmed by angels. And so God had the greatest army ever assembled, waiting. If Jesus had said the slightest word, they would have been there. They would have recovered him. But then how would the scriptures be fulfilled? The answer is they would not have been. Lastly today, I want you to see the great potential that Jesus lived up to. He had to provide the needed sacrifice. Did you know that sin has consequences? If you haven't figured that out yet, boy, you really should. Here's why. The Bible says death is demanded. Death. Think about that with me. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. 
That's what the Word says. But Jesus had all the requirements. Firstborn, spotless, willing to die. Friend of sacrifice, sometimes in other cultures, may not be willing to die. But our sacrifice was willing to go to the cross and die for us. He provided the needed sacrifice. He also provided the transporting of our sins. He took them where no one can ever dig them up. Here's what he says in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 8. Wherefore he says when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he assembled, what is it? That he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth. And he that descended is the same also that ascended far above all heavens that he might fill all things. You know what that means? He took our sins where no one can see them. They're in the deepest part of the sea where there's absolutely no light. Nothing can ever live. Listen to Micah chapter 7 verse 18. Who is a God like unto you? that pardons iniquity and passes by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage. He retains not his anger forever because he delights in mercy. He will turn again. He will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities and you will cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. I've already told you he took our sins so far as the east is from the west. There is no east from the west. If you start out going east, you're always going to be going east unless you turn around. The opposite is true. So who is the greatest of all time today? Y'all came here today to endure a message. Here's the message. We serve the greatest. Greatest. Of all time. He is the undefeated. Undisputed champion. Of God. There is absolutely no power. That can dethrone him. There's nothing that can restrain him. He is the Lord. And he's coming back. And he's wanting you to go with him. And if you can. That's wonderful. But if you cannot say right now, right where you're seated, that if the Lord came this hour, you'd be able to go with him, then I want to encourage you to give your heart to him today and walk out of here saying, the greatest goat has carried all my sins away. I am guilty but pardoned. Don't you all love the word pardoned when it comes to you personally? Pardoned. <laughs> Glory be to God. I hope that didn't bother anybody. If it woke you up, shame on you. You shouldn't have been sleeping. Amen? Listen, if that don't excite you just a little bit, that you have been pardoned. Your exciter needs a lighter. Amen? Something wrong with your exciter. Do you know what it means to be pardoned? You can never be charged for it again. 
How many of you right now would just raise your hand and say, you know what, if God wanted to, he could charge me with plenty and send me to hell if he decided to do that. Would you raise your hand right now? Put them down. No, he won't because Jesus carried all your sins away. He'll never take it back. They are gone as far as the east is from the west to the deepest parts of the sea. And if that don't do it for you, friend, don't leave here without getting it done. How do you get saved, you say? You know what? You could work the rest of your life trying to do that and never get it done. It's too big a job for you. But you can depend on the greatest goat. The one who is the scapegoat, who took your sins into the wilderness in a way. I don't know if you recognize that or not, but you know, he that ascended first also descended into the lower parts of the earth. He took your sins away and put them there. Glory, hallelujah. You say, are you sure about that, Brother John? I believe it so much, I'm going to believe it until I die and afterwards. Amen? You betcha. So how do you get saved? Well, the Bible's pretty plain. There are very few things written in the Bible that says you must do this to be saved. First of all, you have to be willing to get on board and persevere to the end. Those that persevere, those who last, are the ones who will be saved. That's what the Bible said. But before that, you have to, you have to make a change. You have to be willing to repent. The word metaneo might mean something to you. It may not. But what metaneo means is to stop walking away from God and turn and begin to walk toward God. That, my friend, is repentance. Changing directions. Paul told us in the book of Romans, chapter 10, very plainly, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Didn't say you might be. Didn't say you could be. Didn't say you should be. It says you shall be saved. So take those few things the Bible says are necessities. And I want to ask you today, if you could depend on the Lord carrying your sins away, would you be willing today to say, I'm going to change directions and my, my life is going to count for God? Do you really believe, as I heard Jake mention up there while, at least a little while ago in the baptistry, that Jesus died for your sins, rose again on the third day? Are you willing to make that confession with your mouth? Are you willing to trust God with all of your sins? If that is describing you just now and you've never done that, here's what we're going to do to start with. Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. And you say to me, Brother John, I'm, I'm not sure. I want to be saved before it's too late. I want to know before it's too late. But I'm just not sure right now. Would you pray? that before it's too late in my life, I would know for sure. If that is you, I'll not come to you. I'll not embarrass you. I'll not point you out to Brother Jake or anyone else. You have my word. All I will do is pray for you that you be saved before it's too late in your life. 
If that is you, would you trust me and trust him? No one's looking around. No one's eyes are open. If that is you, would you just slip up your hand? By doing so, you'd be saying, pray for me, Brother John. I'm not sure. Is there anyone in this great crowd here today that would be honest enough to say, include me in that prayer? Anyone? Anywhere? So far, I have not seen a hand. If, if, if that's you, would you hold it up high enough that I can see it? Let me see your hand so I can pray for you. Brother Jake, again in this service, I don't see a hand. Not one. I hope that's true. But I'm going to do for you just what we did in the, the first service today. If you believe that what I told you is true today, and you know somebody, it may be your brother, your sister, your parent, your child, and you're not sure that if you were to die and that you were the only hope that they had that they would ever get to heaven. And if you're not, if you're not sure that they're okay, then how many of you would be bold enough today to get on your knees before God and say, God, please don't let my loved one leave this world without Jesus, the one who carried their sins away. Would you be so bold today as, to, as we're all standing to come and kneel here at this altar and take that person to the Lord with full intention that soon and very soon, maybe even today, you'll do your best to get them here the rest of the week and that you'll begin to pray for them in earnest that they would be saved. Right now, would you all stand and would you come? If the Lord has laid somebody on your heart today, as you've heard the, the word, the greatest of all time is Jesus. He's the only one who can forgive sins. He's already done that. Would you come bring them to the Lord during this time of invitation?